Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unexplained World Internet Radio Broadcast with your host, Edward Shanahan, a paranormal, spiritual observer, and psychic reader, along with Annette, a high priestess and psychic reader. The Unexplained World is a location where the border between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy, so enjoy. Hello listeners, welcome to the Sunday, October 4th broadcast of The Unexplained World with Ed Shanahan, it's me, and Annette. Hello, Annette. Hello, how are you tonight, Ed? I'm doing good. As you could tell, listeners, my voice is uh, a little on the horse side, I guess you could say, and uh, so just bear with that. So how are you doing, Annette? Doing great, doing great, yeah, just uh, cranking along. Autumn weather coming now, keeping the house warm, stoking the fire. <laughs> Turned your heat on already, huh? No, stoking the fire, <laughs> literally. Oh, really? we, uh, <laughs> I'm cheap, no heat yet. <laughs> Heck, we turned ours on uh, last week, I think it was. So, beginning of the week, as soon as it dropped. So. Yeah. But, yeah, and your place, boy, you got a lot of leaves uh, to rake. Yeah, we didn't let them mulch. They're just the natural mulch. Yeah, we don't bother. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. You got to. You live in the forest, basically. So. Yeah, I just right. let it be a forest, all natural. <laughs> and it provides a nice um, covering for the fairies and everything during the winter and deep freezes over by you, right? That's right. Yeah. See? <laughs> Everybody hibernates well out here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tonight, listeners, our guest is going to be Mr. Paul Kenyon, and we'll get to him in a couple minutes. Um, I would like to say yesterday, which was the Chicago Ghost Conference, was very was very, was very enjoyable. Um, they they sold over 300 tickets. What I by what I heard, it was crowded. The guests they had top of the line guests. Uh, I spent a good portion of the day in part of the evening doing readings and meeting and greeting people. And that, you know the what I do with the dowsing rods, right, the telekinesis or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, okay. yeah, you move yeah. the rods with your energy, yeah. Yeah, I've done that 14 times. By the last one, I was whipped, you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I could tell the signs now of uh, when you're basically doing it to, uh, when I'm breaking out in a sweat, I'm pretty much at my limit, you know. But um, yeah. so after, the, after that, it was that was it. After the fourteenth one, that was it for the night. So as far as doing those, that's so, a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be glad you got fourteen under your belt in one day, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, you don't have to do that uh, too soon. Listeners, our next Tuesday night broadcast will be October twelfth, and uh, we already have one call in confirmed, and. Um, I guess you could say that it's going to be a pagan night that night, that October 12th night. Good. Yeah. You know, I'm always happy about that. Yeah, yeah. So so we're counting on one, maybe two call-ins on that night. So, Annette, you want to get to uh, Paul now? I would love uh, to meet Paul. Okay, let's see if... Hello, Paul. Hello, Ed. Welcome, Paul. How are you tonight? How are you guys doing? Great. Good. 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 show sounds good. Very clear. Good, good. Um, listeners, Paul's a little nervous, and um, so we'll help him through this, but I'm sure he'll do okay. It already sounds like he's got the voice for it, don't, doesn't it, Annette? Oh, it does. He's got I appreciate the, that. Yeah, they call that the pipes. <laughs> the pipes. Okay, okay that's good. <laughs> Let me introduce you, Paul. Um, you, um, ba-ba-ba-ba, Carl Parkin. You know there here is the name of your book. It it accounts the true accounts of the novel describing the uh, experiences of a family, of what a family faced with the paranormal activity in the 
1970s. Yes, sir. You want to talk? A little, want to go a little bit more into that? Well, actually, Ed, I was 22 years old when I met the family, and it was on a uh, a lark that I met him. It was on the front page of the newspaper of my hometown. I owned a business at the time, and we had a fire in the building next to us, so I couldn't uh, couldn't do much more in business. And I called my then fiance and told her, I said, "Did you see the crazy story in the paper?" And, you know, I was interested in things like this, but when she told me she worked with the mom, I said, well, let's see if we can go up there and, and see what it's all about. And Ed, very shortly after that, actually the next day I became uh, a friend of mine and myself became guards of the property because they had so many people, so many people driving the back country roads trying to find this home. And uh, there were just lines of cars, tra- people trespassing on their land. So we became more like guards of the family, of the family's property. Right. And... Uh, the the incidents that started to happen around my friend and I were just uh, unexplainable, just absolutely unexplainable. Um, the very scary things in the beginning for us being being the young lads that we were, 22 years old. But uh, when you hear voices of females outside of a car window and there's no place for anyone to stand, it it can it, it gets hairy. It gets kind of scary for you. Hmm. What was what appeared in the paper that? Drew you to it. What was? Um, I, I think oh. the actual the, the actual headline Ed was haunted house in hills of Hinsdale, and it was in bold on the front page. Hmm. And uh, you know, it, it, it seemed very interesting to me, you know, because I've always, through my entire life, from a child, I used to have little feelings of things about to happen, but I never knew what those feelings were. I mean, I, I didn't know what they were. Yeah. Uh, kind of like. Uh, little nuances of uh, the phone ringing or something, not that it ever was exactly that, but I always had something that I would feel, and it, eventually something would come out, and I knew it was coming, if I may be so bold as to say it that way. Mm-hmm. Now, in 1973, there was a no, you know, investigators as we know it, paranormal investigators or anything like that, um, that I recall anyways. No. So, so basically... Everything went by the seat of the pants as far as discovering and no answers, I guess well, you would say. Not, not really, Ed, because uh, Father Alphonsus Trebold of St. Bonaventure University, he was a theology professor, assistant professor, actually. And uh, he was very, very interested for, for several decades at that time uh, in uh, demonology, um, in the paranormal itself. Uh, he had been called in on such uh, cases as the Amityville Horror. Um, he was called in there as a, a reference guide as to what was going on with the house and with his Watts family. But when I met Father Al, he seemed like such a very quiet, reserved little man, which he was. But he was so extremely knowledgeable um, in the paranormal field and psychic fields. And um, as a matter of fact, uh, Father Al was very noted for leaving the two front seats or the two front rows of the seats in his classroom open. He wouldn't allow students to sit there. Uh, because his little joke was that he left those seats open for spirits if they did decide to, to join them. And it was, you know, it was a joke among the university at, at St. Bonaventure and everything, but uh, it was just something very uh, noteworthy of Father L. He, he made light of it, but he was very serious and very, very interested in the, uh, the paranormal. Hmm. Uh, Paul, can you give us a little demographic of the family? Whether children, elderly, teenagers? Uh, the family, well, it was the mother and father, and when I met them, I guess, uh, I guess and I can say their names, it's okay. They, they've written, uh, Clara wrote her own book about this, this experience. Um, her and her husband were in their late 30s, and the, um, the, youngest, the youngest was uh, 11, and then 13, uh, 15, 16, and then 17. And it was three girls and one boy, Mike being the eldest. He was 17. Okay. Yeah, because I know that a lot of times they say that uh, phenomenon will happen around teenagers. And, boy, it sounds like you got a whole house full there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Laura, the, the middle-aged daughter, was, uh, she was, uh, I wouldn't say um, mentally retarded, but she, she had learning disabilities. And Father Al even felt that uh, Laura was very much drawn to the house and the house drawn to her. Uh, Laura and I were able to, in, in, in short time, and that we were able to connect without speaking. I mean, I knew her demeanor, I knew her feelings, her character, 
uh, any given day, it seemed. And I, I don't know how. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't consider myself psychic in any way. I mean, we all are psychic. Yeah. We all have some uh, understanding of of the spirit world, or, or as I say, nuances of things to happen. But I wouldn't consider myself psychic in in the general sense of the word. But with with Laura, I could I could connect with her, and by looking at her, I would I would weigh my feelings or how I perceive the house on a, a given day or evening, I could tell by looking at her that things were not going to be good. Okay. <laughs> Your first indicator, huh? Okay. And really, she was my barometer for the house sometimes. All right. Now, what did you experience or what did the family experience uh, that, caused, uh, that caused the article? Yeah. Uh, initially, um, Ed, I think... Uh, uh, there was a, uh, a letter opener which they found in a picture of one of, of the youngest daughter uh, that was hanging on the wall. Uh, voices were always heard, and there was what Clara referred to as Bigfoot. Uh, I think she gave him a name, and I really don't remember. I'm sorry, but I don't remember the name she gave this character mm-hmm. that was constantly thumping around upstairs. Um, several times I'd been in the house, and you'd hear like furniture moving around, but there was no one upstairs ever. Um, there was a crawl space which was above the stairs. Uh, if I may say, the Discovery Channel did a a, a story on this house, but it was you know, a little bit. Uh, they they follow the storyline, but not quite. Uh, there was a crawl space above the stairs, and they heard noise in there one evening, uh, several evenings. But on one particular evening, they opened it up, and the fireplace, the the bricks of the fireplace or the fire, the chimney going up had been dismantled. Um, hmm. Constant strange noises. The, the burners on the stove was another thing that would go on several times. Uh, the jiggling of the doorknob uh, and the, led to the basement, which is in the small bathroom downstairs. Just little strange annoyances in the beginning is what, what led the family to believe there was something wrong. Okay. What? All right, so then you came on the scene. Then what happened there for that? Well, I became an aggressor, <laughs> something a young boy would do probably, you know, trying to be the tough guy. I'm stronger than you. And mm-hmm. uh, I had done this and told – actually, Clara had told Father Al that I was being a, a uh, an aggressor and being someone who was trying to antagonize what may be there. And strangely enough, Ed, I sounds I familiar. That. Go ahead. <laughs> How, sounds like uh, my friend Ed's like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know anything about these things. I really didn't, uh, not firsthand. And uh, I became this aggressor. And there was one entity. Mary's room was closed off. They didn't want. Uh, she couldn't sleep in there. Uh, Clara would put a lamp on the table. It would fly across the room. And uh, the the room was extremely cold. I mean, in the summertime when it was 88, 90 degrees upstairs, her room would be 35 to 40 degrees cooler. I mean, extremely much cooler. Cooler than so many stories and instances of other places that are supposedly haunted homes or such. But wow. um, uh, Mary's room was, was off limits, and um, it was the entity of that room, I think, is what I I antagonized. Um, and I, I write about this in my in my book, I explained that I would get this heat wave, if I may call it that. I didn't know how else at the time to call it. It seemed like my my head would just be interior. The interior of my head would be just hot whenever this thing was coming, and it would make me lose energy. I mean, I, I, I had no strength. It was like being zapped by electricity, if, if I may say that. Mm-hmm. What did you do to antagonize it? Um threatened it, said, you know, you're nothing, you're not as strong as I am, I, I demand you to leave this house and leave this family and let them live in peace, and Father Al had said that sometimes these kinds of things are said, but not by the untrained person, he made, mm-hmm. he made light of it in, in, in a way, but he told me that I, I need not do that, because it, it's only going to come back on me in the wrong way. Okay, Um, you talked about the heat, and, okay, so... What would besides the heat and that? What would happen to you? Were you ever harmed, or were Never. any? Okay, Never was any of the family was any of the family harmed during this? Did it seem like it took the aggression out on somebody else? Uh, the aggression was taken on the family, but before I even came on the scene, okay. uh, there were three three of the family members were uh, woke up with burns on their arms. Uh, sorry, two on their arms, one on their leg, 
And Mike, uh, one evening when he was sleeping, he had a chess set and a, and a battleship game, which was up on a shelf above mm-hmm. his bed, fall on him. Well, okay, that sounds like a, a simple accident. But the funny thing is, the, the chess set and battleship game were under, uh, under a bunch of uh, very slick magazines. The magazine stayed, the games and, uh, and such fell on top of him. Um, not just fell, but were they had to be more or less thrown in his direction. It wasn't directly under the bed. The magazines never moved, but the game and the chess set did. Wow. Uh, Paul, is there any history that we know of of the house before the family lived there? Only um, Father Al, Father Alphonsus was contacted by a priest from Buffalo, New York, who said he had done an exorcism, uh, of the sorts of exorcism, 30 years prior to that. Um, oh. the, the family who lived in the house um, for, uh, they say, a century, but I did a, a complete search on the, on the uh, deeds, and uh, this family, that the, this, the road is actually named after they, that the house is on, uh, first acquired the house in 1932. Now, this was 1973 when this was going on, so that's only a 41-year 40, period. They mm-hmm. said they owned the house for over a century. Hmm. Huh. So, so it's obviously a very old house. I have the deed going back to 1870, and I do wow. believe, uh, from what we understand, it was built pre-Civil War. Um, another, another. I don't know if this is actual fact or not, but um, Alex Tannis, if you know the Alex Tannis Foundation, Alex Tannis uh, came to the house in 1973 after a lecture at Bonners, and he felt from his summation of the house that uh, he picked up that the house used to be an inn, and the innkeeper would, uh, a stagecoach run used to run right to this house. And uh, we did find the way station of the stagecoach area, and uh, a stagecoach would come there, and the innkeeper would rob and murder the people and throw their bodies in the crawl space. Oh, my. This is what Father Al, or I'm sorry, but Alex Tannis um, derived from the house on his first investigation, and that was in uh, late fall of 1973, and he returned with a, news, uh, a film crew from NYU to perform an exorcism in 1974 with Father Alphonsus. And how did that go? Well, uh, it went, uh, it was unsuccessful. Uh, Things quieted down for a period of about two and a half to three months. And in the night of the exorcism, uh, the film crew, and we are still looking for the the tape of this, um, the film crew, uh, they were able to record some very strange sounds. I mean, it sounded like the entire house was moaning, creaking, whining. Uh, The entire crew heard it. The the family in the circle of, of in the living room, uh, there were approximately twelve to fourteen people besides the family there, and uh, it was it was quite eerie. It's, it's something I've never heard then, uh, before that, or or after. Uh, I haven't done many many investigations since, but we do go to the house, and just recently there was a a reproduction of this exorcism, and two people were harmed quite quite badly during the the filming of this. Question. Oh, you just brought up something. Is the house private or public? Right the now? house is right now. The house is owned by an elderly couple, and the uh, just two weeks after the exorcism, the um, the woman of the house has just suffered a severe heart attack. Oh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. She's in the hospital a now. If it was public, I would have, uh, come, you know, <laughs> seen if it would have been possible to go there. Well, there's there's several people. Well, like I say, Roger Marsh, who um, is with uh, Tremont Avenue Productions, just did this this production here that's going to be on YouTube uh, podcasts, and uh, they wanted to film recreate, if I mm-hmm. if I may say, recreate the Exorcist of 1973. And I was absolutely dead set against this. I I just think yeah. they're opening up doors that shouldn't be opened. Because uh, we I talked to at the Chicago Ghost Conference last yesterday. I talked to. Uh, the previous owners of the Sally House, and uh, can't get in there neither. So it was like, but this sounds interesting. Now, uh, train of thought. When when uh, Father Rail went there the first time, what did he feel? What did he say? Any? Uh... Father Al in the beginning, uh, several several months, he 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 felt. What he what he did is he interviewed everyone who had been involved with the house, 
and uh, with his background, with his education in the paranormal, um, he believed that there are spirits. He was reluctant at to say spirits. I don't know why. Uh, he does believe in the energy uh, energy explanation more than spirits, although he does believe that spirits are sometimes earthbound and can't leave for mm -hmm. reasons. But he was reluctant. And there is a uh, a video of Father Al on YouTube with Mason Winfield from Rochester, New York. And you can see even in this short video that he was very reluctant in letting that word out. He um, he himself only saw one instance of anything. Uh, mm -hmm. He did visit at certain times, but he wasn't he wasn't there for um, many hours in a, in a given day. Um, he did come for the exorcism, but he did not show up the next day. And I, I my, in my heart of hearts, and after talking, I left I left New York in '75. The they, the family left the house in 74 mm -hmm. I came back in 99 and uh, when I uh, he was one of the first people I went to see not only because I missed him so badly but I wanted to talk about the house now that I was uh, an adult <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> all grown up yeah <laughs> you know I was 22 years old when I was doing all this crazy stuff at the house and and uh, when I talked to Father Al he was very very open with me and and he agreed and I I told him I did not feel the exorcism was going to be a success, and he said, I knew it wasn't going to be. No. I don't and know for why. what reason? For what reason did you feel it wasn't going to be? I, from, my, from my standpoint, it is because I knew I could still feel this, whatever it is that I'm able to, to feel as a sensitive as Father Alan, Alex, and, and a couple of other mediums mm -hmm. have told me, that I, I was very connected with this entity that's up there. And you asked me then if I had ever been injured. No, I haven't. But since I have been struck three times and quite viciously, uh, quite a distance from the house. And mm. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I can say that I don't like that. And I, even though it happened to me and people were witnesses to it, I still don't believe it. It's hard for me to believe something from another plane, another dimension, whatever you want, how, however it can be described, can actually physically touch me and make me bleed. Oh, my. And how did that happen? Hey. Just like uh, um, a cut appearing on your face? Now, on, your on, my, on my left cheek, I had a scratch on my, on my neck, and I thought it was one of the, the, the group's members that was with us. I thought it was... Um, a young lady named Angel. I thought she had pulled my hoodie just kind of kidding around, although we didn't do things that normally. But I thought she just grabbed my hoodie to, to get my attention. And mm -hmm. um, uh, it wasn't her. And uh, so I just, you know, I, I just more or less blew it off for a moment. And I was standing next to a friend of ours, and I was physically, very physically, violently pushed into him, and my head hit his chin, and he said, oh, my God, what just happened? He knew it wasn't me just bumping into him. Yeah. It scared us enough that I, I jumped back into the van and I waited about 15 minutes. And uh, uh, my friend Tina, who we, we go to the house quite often, uh, but we don't get out of the van. We just leave recorders and such in place. Um, uh, she said, why are you staying outside? And I went out 15 minutes later. I stood next to her, her door, and I was shoved again. So I, I actually, I, I don't, I can't say I was shoved, Ed, because I didn't feel the actual push force of what it is. But all I knew is that I went flying. And uh, I flew into her, uh, my side hit her, her side view mirror of the van, and I was bleeding from the side of my face. And I just can't wow. believe that air can hit you. <laughs> what What made you think, though, that the exorcist was going to work? What What made me think that it was? I yeah, you I, were, no, that it wasn't going to work. You and Father Al, what made you think that it was going to be kind of a lost cause to even do it? it well, sounds like for it. me. For, it was a, it was it wasn't the actual exorcism the, uh, the Roman ritual it was a simple exorcism of of trying to um, remove spirits from a place they don't need to be okay have them All move right. on and I during the wailing and the crying of the house whatever it was that everybody was hearing that was actually recorded um, I, I I felt then that night that whatever was upstairs was not leaving. Um, there was I was sitting with two crew members in the doorway of the living room. We were only about six to eight feet from the upstairs uh, entrance, and we could hear something that was trying. Ed, it was literally trying to come down the stairs. You could you could hear it. Um, 
it never made it to the bottom or it stopped during during what Father Elwin, when he was reading the exorcism. But I knew that after it was over, I was sitting on the floor because Jan, who was doing this for NYU, she was about to ask us some questions. And I turned the mic and said, "It all this was was a slap in the face. And she overheard me. And uh, she caught me in the kitchen and asked me what it meant by it. And I said, it's, it's really not important. But as I pre- as I was I was going to the use the restroom, I passed Alex Tanis, who was sitting in the uh, in the kitchen. He said, "Thank you for not pressing the issue." Now, I didn't ask him until later what he meant by that, but he was I, I guess thanking me for not challenging him. And who was I to challenge a world-renowned psychic, a 22-year-old mm-hmm. kid who's just trying to really basically find out really what's going on in this house? Mm-hmm. How come Father Al didn't do the Roman Catholic type of... Uh... He wasn't given permission by the church. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's a lot. That goes on a lot, I'll bet. Well, it's, it's, it, normally the, the, the permission is only granted by the, 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 church, the Catholic Church if it's a, a possession of a person. Um, if there are spirits, uh, entities that are roaming around on earth that uh, need to help, be helped to be moved on, uh, the church isn't going to give it permission because there is an actual case of possession there. Hmm. And the priest can't go upon his own and do it then, neither. I I think they can, but I I think in in uh, with uh, with their devotion to the church, I don't think they would. Okay, okay. So basically, it sounds like more or less this other individual, the psychic, gave it more of a stomach ache. It sounds like the spirit was going through the way he described it: the moaning, the groaning, and the creaking. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I put it too. It almost like a slap <laughs> in the face, like you just gave it a, an uppercut. Yeah, yeah. Then actually, um, he, he, it sounds like he aggravated it just as you're aggravating it, but in a different I think sense. So. I, yeah. I think he took some some of the power away from it. I, I think he made it, uh, as I say, he gave it a, a good point that it, it kind of, I, I, if you could say, took the energy from this and, and he took it from, from what, whatever the energy is. On, his, on Alex's initial visit to the house in the fall of 73, he surmised seven spirits that were plaguing the house with problems. And it's really funny because I, I know Father Al did not give him any information about the house other than the fact that it was troubled. He didn't say haunted, he said troubled. Mm-hmm. And uh, But when Father or when Alex came back for the exorcism in 1974, April 13th, um, what he gave us at that time was one spirit and that was in Mary's room, and he said it was a, a, the spirit of a girl who was reluctant to leave because her boyfriend had drowned or her husband had drowned, and uh, she was so distraught that she didn't want to leave. And what I told Father Al, what I said, what I felt about that, and I again, who am I um, at that age or, or that experience in this, I said I think what happened is that uh, Alex was duped. He was side-saddled by... Uh, a very strong entity that is going to give him whatever information he thinks will be sufficient for him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Paul, give us the name of the book again and the web pages that individuals can go and get it because uh, some people ask, are asking on the uh, chat board. Okay. The name of the book is You Know They're Here, T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E, here. And uh, they can get it at Amazon.com, Burns & Noble, or directly from my publisher, which is virtualbookworm.com. And they are a fantastic group of people over there. Good, good. Now, did the psychic that did the exorcism, did he have any um, after effects, let's say? Alex Tannis, yes. He he was drained. He was totally drained from, from the exorcism. Um, Alex was a, a fantastic man. He was a... a, a very, very wonderful man, and and very astute in, in his uh, in his field. Um, I, I I can't say enough for him. The Alex Tanis Foundation still lives on today. Uh, whether it be on out of body experience, everything. This man is just uh, he he was so helpful in in so many cases across the country and across the world, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Besides training him, did he have any physical? Um after effects, you know, where, like you said, you've been, um, it's affected you somewhat physically. Did it affect him at all? 
He did, uh, when he went into Mary's room, and I do have the transcript of the original exorcism that night. Um, he was, uh, when when two crew members were trying to help him and Father Al was trying to help him to his feet out of Mary's room, he said, I know you, I know you burned me. I know you burned me. He kept saying this over and over uh, while he was trying to talk this supposed girl out of Mary's room and to move on. He said, I know mm-hmm. you burned me. And when they, when they removed his shirt, when they got downstairs, he did have a, a pretty large burn mark on his back. Wow. Did Father Al have any effects? Father L no, was not touched physically. He okay. was touched very, very emotionally. Um, he was very distraught. I think Father L was distraught every time he went to the house, but he could not give up on the family. Uh, he, a remarkable, loving man, and uh, very, very genuine to his to his uh, to his religion. Hmm. Now, well, Paul, there were there were some twenty five years between the house, leaving the house, and returning to the house for you. Thirty-five in it. Okay. Thirty-five. <laughs> there was years. a lot of years. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm curious. Were you conducting paranormal investigations during that time, or did you find other houses or other places that were? There've been a, a few. Pl- I went to Phoenix, Arizona, for 25 years, and uh, you know, the, I, I didn't. Uh, well, 35 years from the, to when I wrote the book. 25. Yes, you are right. Correct. 25 years when I came back. Um, there were a couple of places that I uh, investigated with friends in uh, Arizona, and they were, you know, the, the same kind of things that happening, you know, the doors opening and things like that, but nothing, nothing to the energy level of what's happening at that house in Hinsdale. Um, you know, everybody, what really, I, I guess, perturbs me at times is almost everybody you talk to say, oh, I, I've got problems with my house. Well, <laughs> there are... There are things that are, are genuine, and um, I've known people that might say that every place they've lived has been haunted. They have spirits there, and maybe they do. You know, maybe they carry them around with them. Sometimes they do follow you. Sure. But uh, this place, of, of all the places I've been, uh, and I would say I, I would not be more. I would there would be more than, no more than twenty places I, I've visited that were supposedly haunted, including Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And the Hinsdale house has got so much energy. It's not just the house. It's the entire area up there. Um, 1,400 Native Americans were killed in one evening in 1787 um, mm. because uh, of many, I don't know, I don't really know the entire story, whether it was the government that was ordered because they wouldn't join the Federation, but uh, 1,400 were massacred one evening in Hinsdale. And mm. a lot, as a matter of fact, uh, many places, many people on Main Street in Hinsdale. It's a very small town, you guys. You're, you're talking about two thousand people. Okay. Um, they they say all of Main Street has got problems in some of the houses there. You know, there's there's uh, revolutionary soldiers and that so many people have seen. And you know, it's it's remarkable to hear about this much activity in one small area. Wow. That well, can lead. That could be part of the reasons why. Yeah. I think so. I think that's part of it. Is there any cemetery in that area from that date? Uh, there is uh, about four, I think it's about four miles, three miles from the house um, where revolutionary soldiers were buried, yes. And there is supposedly a burial grounds in the proximity of the house along with two shaman graves. Uh, one shaman grave was discovered recently in the last couple of years, and that's just a, a, above the house on a small ridge. <laughs> there's yeah, no wonder there's things going on there. Uh, <laughs> you got you got a combination of uh, uh, just a combination, I guess you could well, say. Well, you can throw the scientific in there too, Ed. This is supposedly on the same parallel as the Bermuda Triangle. It's a straight line to the house. I I don't want to get into the Bermuda Triangle in any re, in any respect no. to that, but um, they say there's you know scientifically there's so much going on in this area. And I, being still a novice, no matter how much I study or try mm-hmm. to understand the paranormal world, um, this is it's phenomenal. You could go up there one night and absolutely have nothing happen. Other nights you can go up there and turn your recorders on and listen to it, and you're going to have people talking to you. Uh, you want to help me. Uh, we've, we've had uh, rec- uh, recordings of, of uh, uh, wreak havoc, wreak havoc. Something that sounds it sounds like now Jacob maybe or Jacob help me. Um, very clear. Uh, you can hear us talking. We were performing the exorcism, reading the exorcism one time, 
And all I said was, my back is killing me. And very clearly in the background, it was four of us in a van, a voice said, I know why. You know, things like that are uh, really, really strange. I mean, I, I don't I don't profess to go into understanding them. All I would like to do right. is is try and try and figure out what, what is really happening at the house. How big of a property is this? How big of a house? How big of Very small land? house. And it's really? uh, three... Three, well, it's four bedrooms. Um, okay. There's two small bedrooms upstairs and two small bedrooms downstairs, a living room. Uh, it only had a half bath when the Dandies lived there, when the Dandy family were there. And uh, it now has a one bath, and, and that's it. That's about it. And the kitchen. Hmm. Uh, they have eight acres of property. And um, we, uh, my friend and I, in 73, we saw a trespasser on the property. And uh, we chased after him. We always had a, not always, but we started taking a camera up, an old Polaroid camera. We chased this man through a field. He threw himself against a tree. I took a picture of him thinking we got a trespasser finally because of everybody going on the property. And uh, when we got back to the house, well, Tim jumped. My friend jumped for this guy, and he was no longer by the tree. And that kind of spooked us. And then about a few seconds later, I I turned around, and he was gone. He was running back to the house. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, we got the picture back, looked at it, showed it to Father Alphonsus. He, in turn, sent it to Dr. Osis with the New York Psychical Research Foundation, mm-hmm. and they deemed it to be a spirit. Uh, there was a complete aura around the, the picture, and uh, uh, very, very strange to see something like that because I, I, I don't see too many pictures that are that clear. Has there been any investigators out there with heavy-duty tools or anything like that, or have you contacted, I guess, TAPS or anybody like that about this place? I've written to TAPS. Uh, in the <clears> process <throat> right now, Tim Wood, who runs uh, Live Sci-Fi TV, uh, Live mm-hmm. Sci-Fi TV, Tim is very much interested. He'd like to come out sometime this month and do a, a two-night investigation. Uh, but in lieu of, uh, of Flo being ill and in the hospital, I, I don't know where that's going to go right now. But he has tried to contact uh, the family now, or the the couple now to see if he can come out. He's very interested in, in doing an investigation right away. I'll give you. Um, I'll contact you offline about a um, individual I met last night. That okay. What TV showing at that may be very interested to. All right. So, um, yeah, he's a researcher for the TV show. So. Um, oh, good. I'll contact you tomorrow with that. All right. What would you? Uh, okay. What do you think is going to happen to this house? Ed, what I'm worried about is it's going to be knocked down. The house is in such uh, such horrible, horrible condition right now. Um, like I say, it's, it was built in the 1860s. Um, the roof is caving in. We tried to, uh, in, in many ways, try to get some uh, help in, in getting the, the old couple uh, a new roof on their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to see the house go anywhere. I don't think the energy is ever going to go, whether the house is there or not. But this house is very important and has so much history, and uh, so many people have been there doing investigations. Uh, maybe not the big guys like ghost hunters and such, but there's been so yeah. many mediums and, and psychics that have gone to this house. And it would be it would be a shame for it to, to just turn into rubble. Any you, know, Paul, you might want to contact <laughs> Rebuilding Together. Uh-huh. They're a group that comes in in communities and helps folks who don't have the money to do things like new roofs, windows, etc. Especially elderly couples are highly sought after for them uh-huh. to be able to fix up their homes. Rebuilding Together. It's, it's nationwide. Okay. Um, it's probably just rebuildingtogether.com. We'll lead you through and you can find the local chapter. And they always do it in the spring and April. So you want to get your application in, you know, before the turn of the year. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. They do a lot of work here in my community. I volunteer for them. So I, I think they would really appreciate something like that. I really do. Yeah. Now, is there an elderly couple got nice to have a roof. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Is there any actual conclusion by, is there anything that everybody's come to say, we feel this, at least we agree on this one thing? Yeah, actually there hasn't. Um, I don't. I couldn't even tell you the name. Uh, how many people have gone up there? Uh, Reverend Rambacher, Michael Rambacher, is is uh, supposed to be a really fantastic medium. He really can read and see into things. Um, him and so many others have have talked, 
and there's no conclusion as to what is is really happening here because it, it changes. It's uh, they, there's been three or four people that have have pointed out where there's a vortex on the property, and without speaking among themselves, I mean they come in from mm-hmm. different states and such, and, and they all come up with the same conclusion where there's vortexes. And I find that to be quite interesting because they're they're all within about five ten feet of each other. Wow, wow! Wish you guys were closer. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Sometimes <laughs> I w- I would take a net on a field trip. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I would have to bring my power diverter. I think. <laughs> uh, there there has been talk by um, uh, St. Bonaventure University. There was a rumor uh, a couple of years actually last year. Uh, to buy the house uh, and put it up as paranormal research in Father Alphonsus's name, and there is another university I, I, I can't divulge the name right now that has, has talked about um, uh, purchasing it. If uh, if I had the money, I think I would do it myself. And I, I would I would love to see that house stay where it is. Uh, yeah. For what reasons? And I, I think I think there is enough evidence, enough information there that would would conclude some paranormal activity to be absolutely deemed to be true. Now, what happened to the first family that lived through this? How are they today? Have you done uh, contact with them? Yes, I do. I, I, I do have uh, contact with Clara on an almost daily basis. Um, she's living happily with her mother in Oregon. Uh, mm-hmm. her, her husband has passed away. Uh, my little friend Laura passed away young. She was only 33. Wow. Uh, Mike and uh, Mike and um, Beth Beth Ann are very happy. Mike also lives not too far from his mom in Oregon, and I do believe that Beth and uh, her husband live in California or Las Vegas. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, there's been families that moved in since them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a school teacher that moved in, and she left with all her belongings there. She never came back for a thing. Uh, another family moved in and uh, moved out within, I think, a four-month period because there was so much activity that were driving them to not uh, not want to be around the house. The school teacher, I think, was the the most um, traumatic one. She um, she had this entity, this young boy who came to her door that has been seen by neighbors in the area, people driving by. Uh, a gentleman that I interviewed who said he hit the boy back in 1974 with his car. Um, a young boy came to her door and said, I know where your cats are. And she said, I don't have any cats. She closed the door and then thought, why is he coming here? Opened the door. He was gone. Uh, there had been a light snow, and she looked down, and there were no footprints. And, and uh, there were other incidents that uh, she heard voices when she was in bed one night telling her to get out, that you don't belong here, we don't want anyone here, or something to that effect. And she moved out the next day and never came back. Left everything, her clothing, her furniture, everything. Never came back to the house. Please uh, keep me in mind if this place becomes open to the public. I certainly will. Okay. And uh, Absolutely. I'd be very interested in uh, experiencing that, and I'm sure some other people would too. Not so much in that, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, You have to bring out a field trip. You already said that. <laughs> I'm not chicken. I'm just very respectful. <laughs> Well, sometimes those two words are synonymous with each other when it comes yeah, to Yeah, okay, I Come give on. in. <laughs> <laughs> but, Paul, um, asking that who was the first one to run about six years ago when we went to a location? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm kind of like that now myself. I, I am, I'm very uh, intimidated by what might be. Um, in the in the 70s, I was yeah I was reluctant. I was scared of the so-called heat wave, as I called it. But uh, I'm I'm very reluctant today. The house does. I never know if something's going to happen. I mean, most likely in most cases, it's little voices we might pick up. We might pick up EVPs, clear ones. But I never know when something so so traumatic, so demonic may come out uh that's mm-hmm. how i feel it is i really do it i, I feel it. i don't feel it's a bully i don't feel it's a, it's some psychic bully trying to be tough i i really do believe it's demonic mm-hmm. i think it has mm-hmm. that energy that power that absolute uh just negativity that's so so distraught and so strong and nobody's tried to banish it since um mm-hmm. not to my knowledge no okay 
Okay. As a matter of fact, the last I knew, they they, they did the uh, one of the Native American rituals and buried stones in the yard to ward off the evil. Yeah. That's the last mm-hmm. thing I knew that happened, Ed. And that uh, the lady owner, uh, female cup, the female of the couple there, she became ill or had a heart attack, as you said, after they yes. uh, did a reenactment. No, it, it, That's no, a shame. It's been a few weeks, yeah. Yes, the uh, reenactment. Yeah. But I wish they hadn't done it. All, all the, all the like. Uh, I, 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 you know, it, it, maybe it's a good idea. But when you exercise a spirit, where are you exercising them to? That's the one thing I, that might bother me a little bit too. Where are they going? Well, if they're doing a reenactment, they're not setting out to do a real thing. They're, am I correct on that? The reenactment was this, a stage. It wasn't. The well, it was, it was set up exactly the same way as the original exorcism in in the living room. And mm-hmm. even though it was done with the actors, the same the same passages were recited. And by reciting those passages, I, I, I would think you're still doing the prayer. In my opinion, sure. I, I, does I it agree. have to be someone? Does it have to be someone of the cloth that would do? I, I don't. I don't believe that myself. I'm just. I'm just wondering if, let's say, the spirit that was there during the original, okay, uh-huh. he made it through it, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Now here comes somebody to, you know, hey, let's try this again. Type of, you know, I'm looking plain devil's advocate, and this might actually tick the thing off more than if it was a fresh, clean type of new war, new war, a new type of ceremony to, you know, get rid of the thing. That's what I'm thinking. Well, so that, it may that have makes sense too. It may have yeah. just antagonized even more. Mm-hmm. Like fools, you haven't learned the first time. You know, not, not calling you guys fools. I'm just saying. No, I, from, I understand. Yeah. From um, the energy's uh, point of view. I, so, I agree with that 100. percent I mean, yeah. there were there were a lot of incidents that were going on um, during this during this reenactment and uh, and afterwards, shortly after, again with the injuries, mm-hmm. uh, scratches scratches on uh, one of the the film the film guy's back. I mean, he was just he was just livid. He didn't understand how this could possibly happen. He's a, a non-believer at that. Totally non-believer. Don't you just love that taking non-believers and making them believers? Uh. Well, it, you know, it's it, I, I've always had an open mind. And yeah. I, I guess I guess you could say I believed to, to a certain extent, but now mm-hmm. I'm I'm going back to not believing because I, how how can something how can something that you that is not there nothing that's physical how can it how can it injure you? That's that's frightening, to say the least. It's frightening to be touched by something that's not there. I, it's not there in uh, visual. Our dimension. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's. There in an energy form, it's there in a. Um, you're walking in. It sounds like you guys are walking in into its domain, okay? I, I think it's you're right in that respect, yeah. And uh, you're basically so. You said it's a vortex. People feel it's a vortex in the area, and that yes. maybe just walking into its domain, and it's an invisible one, but an energy one. And um well I believe there's more uh, several several different spirits, entities, whatever mm-hmm. the word might might the choice of word to use. But I do believe there's one that that rules their domain. Yeah. I mean yeah. he he is the boss and I think he he, she, uh whatever the case may be, is extremely extremely displeased with my presence there sometimes. So the reason I'm curious is I've I I was at the Veliska ex murder house and uh I was able to vivid, you know, visualize the murders and and we did what we call my circle of energy and we tapped into um the killer. And um sorry getting a little hairy there. But I was getting hurt before we even went in there. It was like like you said, okay? It wasn't happy that you were you're there. It, knows it wasn't happy there for Ed. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, things were happening. And that's probably the one place that I've, you know, was actually banged up at. And it was stupid. And things I look at stupid shouldn't even happen, happen. Yeah. Um, and the one time the thing I brought up about Annette, we went to a cemetery. Remember Annette? You, me, Steve, we met somebody. And yeah. Um, yeah. as you guys were crossing the bridge, I seen something that was like, no. 
it was like looking at me and saying, don't you dare. It's the first time, Paul, I went back to the car. These yeah. three went, they went ahead. And it was like, no, I can't do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, even though I get extremely frightened, uh, extremely scared sometimes when we're just parked on the road, um, mm. I, I think I think this thing, I, I think this entity knows what I'm about to come up there. Even before I'm sure I'm going, um, I, I think there, there were times in the past, and it hasn't been that many times this past year. It hasn't been that many times, but when it has, it's been very strong. Okay. It doesn't come out to play or come out to, you know, say, well, okay, are you here again? Let's argue about this. I think it comes out to say, no, you're not going to be here. I don't mm-hmm. want you here, and I'm going to show you right now that you need to go. I believe that because of the experiences I had at the Velisca. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a question on the chat board. Sure. Do you know if there was an, ever any pets whose health was affected there? Any pets? Yeah. Dogs or cats, maybe pets. They they had they had three dog uh, three dogs two cats two birds a skunk and two raccoons, and the dogs <laughs> one one dog would never stay at the house. It was always at one of the houses not the houses but camps. There weren't many houses in the area, and there still aren't. Uh, the dog would never go to the house. Uh, same thing with the not the last the, the last family that lived there before the couple that lives there now. Their dog would never ever come in the house, and it was not an outside dog. It would never go inside the house. It would stay under the porch. Um, same thing with the the Dandy family's birds. The, they were also a barometer because they had two parakeets, one in each cage. And uh, if the birds stopped, stopped chirping, and they chirped all the time in their little aviary song, they were happy all the time. When they stopped, we knew it was going to become what Clara would call was an umbrella night. Everything was going to start active. The activity would mm. begin again. Cats. Like birds, like birds in the sto- in the storm. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, and the same with their cat. They had one cat, a uh, black cat named Jinx, and that cat was always walking around the house, looking in rooms or looking straight ahead and hissing all the time. Huh. Interesting. They, okay. they do know. Animals do know. Oh yeah. Sense that we what we can't. Yeah, the the person that typed that asked the question says animals can see them before a human can. Absolutely. Okay, Mr. Kenyon, Mr. Paul Kenyon, the author of You Know They're Here. Can you give the website again where your book can be picked up? The website. Yes, sir. Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and VirtualBookworm.com, which is my publisher. Okay, and we also have a link on the, on the webpage here for the talk show. Um, if you click on the link, it'll take you to the Amazon um, listing for the book. Paul, very, very interesting. Believe it or not, the time has flown by already. It has, um, yeah. yeah, we've got about six minutes left. And I'd like to say thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for asking me. It's uh, it's a very big honor for me to talk to you guys. And you know what? You did a very good job, sir. Thank you. Yes, you did. <laughs> thank you. It's like talking to friends on the phone, you know. <laughs> That's all but, it is. <laughs> but a couple thousand listening, but you didn't. Uh, you did a very good job. So thank you very uh, much. Thank I you hope. for being on. I will email you the link tomorrow, where you could um, download or have people listen to the archive show. Okay. Okay. Thank you very thank much, you very sir. Much. And that, bye-bye. Good night, Paul. Bye. Very interesting, isn't it? It was very interesting. Oh yeah, play by play. I like that. <laughs> You know, I don't have to go. Means, he just told me what would happen, so it's all good. It's got me thinking twice because, you know, um, until we discussed this, I forgot about that cemetery that we were uh, at um, about six or seven. That's seven. been a long time ago, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Got a little flashbacks. Uh, yeah. 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 Like 2003 you, or something, I think. Yeah, you, Steve, and that other gentleman went. Jeff. Uh, yeah, and uh, I was stopped dead like walking into a brick wall on that wooden bridge and could not cross it and went back to the car. Why, well, you brave souls went ahead. And uh, You know, I didn't feel brave. I was never scared. It was just like walking in the woods at night, you know? Yeah. Nothing yeah. creeped me out, really. There were some, you know, cracking of sticks. I remember it being very cold. 
but no mm-hmm. snow on the ground. So it must have been what, like maybe November, December, something like that, you know. I don't even think it was. I think we just had, um, we didn't have winter coats on because um, I know when it was, how far back it was. How old is your, uh, how old is your oldest? Five, but I wasn't pregnant then. I wouldn't have gone. Right, but pregnant. you broke the news to me that day. I, I told you that day? Yeah. Oh, remember I pulled the little like thing October. out? Yeah, remember I pulled the little thing out and uh, did something and a little bouquet of flowers appeared? Remember a little card thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It would have been like late October then, almost Halloween okay. probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it was about six years ago then, I guess. There you yeah. go, six October 2003 to, then. Yeah, six years to uh, now, basically. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Boy, things we remember, huh? (laughs) Right. And time flies. (laughs) Six years, you say it like that. Boy. Yeah. Um, Listeners, like I said, October 12th will be basically a pagan night on our Tuesday night broadcast of Not On Sunday Night show. Basically, open lines, open minds, open mouths. Okay, it's kind of fun, half-hour show. Um, where will I be? Uh, October 22nd, I will be at Cigars and Stripes. That's a Thursday night. And that will be in Berwyn, Illinois. From 8 to 12, I'll be doing readings on the stage, readings in the round. And October 30th, we'll be at the Joliet Mansion. It's a Friday night before the big Halloween, who knows what I'm walking into night. Um, that Friday night, there's going to be uh, ghost stories in each of the room, each of the rooms, and I'll be doing readings and stuff like that in uh, parlor, Victorian parlor. And I'd like to thank everybody I met last night. Annette, you want to throw anything in there? Hmm. 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 <laughs> well, I know Keep warm, I, I, everybody. <laughs> I know on October, what is it, 26th, we're going to be given, that's in our, our October 27th, that'll be our, um, not on, that's going to be a Tuesday night broadcast, again, a half-hour show. We'll go into a little bit about the history, and that will go in a little bit about the history of uh, Halloween. Halloween, um, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, if anybody knows, it'll be her. And um, like I, anything else, go to... HauntedHistoricLocations.com, the things we have coming up for, I have coming up for October, basically are booked, but we always can book stuff for November and that. Annette and I can do readings together for corporate parties, house parties and that. Um, If people are interested, Annette does tarot, past life, and runes readings. I do palm, psychometry one-on-one, and readings, channeling, conscious channeling, with items of loved ones that passed away. Um, so that's up. Let's go to edwardshanahan.com for information on us doing readings together or separately. You know, like Annette's going to be picking up some of the stuff I can do, etc. And our next show is Tuesday the 13th. Annette, you know what? Ed is tired, so Ed won't be calling you after the show tonight. Is that okay with Good you? night, Ed, ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> well. Listeners, listeners, thank you. Annette, thank you very much. Good night. Okay. Blessed be. Good night, listeners. Bye-bye. Thank you.